Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you'd like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. It's so good to be back with you on the podcast. As I record this, I have this happy mixture of exhaustion but joy because over the last week, I got to go to a camp called Camp South where a bunch of our Divine Savior church family kids went and kids from across the South Atlantic region of our country got together to praise Jesus, to dive into his word, and to have a lot of fun doing it. Hopefully you saw some pictures from that on our Facebook and Instagram pages. There's just something so amazing about being in a room with 400 plus young people between fourth grade and ninth grade, praising their savior and seeing the impact the Holy Spirit is making through the word. Because the reality is no matter who you are, we have this sense in us called the natural knowledge of God that seeks to know God. And we can look at creation, we can look at morality, the conscience that's written on our hearts, but that doesn't really tell us who God is. It doesn't tell us how we can find him. But thanks be to God because he found us. And that's what Philip, the disciple Philip, discovered too. As we continue our disciple series, we see Philip, as he says to another disciple, Nathaniel, that we have found the one, even though Jesus actually found him first. And we see how Jesus in love tests Philip in his faith, the feeding of the 5,000, and how he responds to Philip's question of, Lord, can you just show me the Father? That will be enough for me. We see how Jesus answers those questions, how he puts us into impossible life situations, not to harm us, but to show us his love in the most clear of ways. I'm really excited to unpack that this week as we look at the disciple Philip and how God finds us. The timing of Camp South this year couldn't have been better for this sermon series because today we're talking about why God puts us in impossible life situations and the Camp South experience, which is fantastic. It's also a never-ending cycle of impossible chaperone situations. I'll give you two real-life examples, see if you can visualize what you would have done if you were me. Now imagine you're going through the dining hall of this really neat camp and you notice two campers in front of you drop their plates on the ground make a huge mess they clean it up and they proceed to load it up just as much and wobble through the line and so you go in trying to help them out and you try to balance their plates for them while also balancing your own and you're trying to get your way make your way through that line until one of those plates falls on the ground and guess whose it was You bet, yours truly. Or imagine you're in the cabin with 50 or 60 boys. That's kind of a scary thought right there probably. You're in in this cabin trying to corral them to get them ready for bed 
when all of a sudden you look down the hall and you see one boy who's literally drinking mouthwash. You have to confiscate that. Meanwhile, there's another boy jumping from bunk to bunk across the entire cabin. And there's so many things going through your mind. At least they were for me. And there were three questions that kept coming up specifically for me. And that was, those were, why me? Why here? Why now? First of all, thank you for letting me vent. It really was an incredible week. But even more so, as I was talking, as I was going through these stressful panic attack situations, did you find your mind drifting into an impossible life situation you're finding yourself in right now? In fact, I want you to take a few seconds, pause the podcast if you need to, and just think about something going on in your life, whether it's at your home, whether it's at work, whether it's in your own mind and heart that God has placed you in and you have no idea how you're going to get through it. Just think about it. Think about those situations where those questions, why me, why here, why now, are constantly in your mind space. And those three questions can be synthesized into our God question for today, the God question that Philip once had. Why does God put us in impossible situations? Jesus told Philip the answer to this question, and it was nothing like he expected. So let's set the stage for John chapter 6. We're we'll looking at John chapter 6 and John chapter 14, two instances with Jesus and Philip interacting with each other. This is John 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, just to leave you in suspense, dot, 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 you can see what was going on. Jesus is going through the countryside and this huge crowd is swarming him. The crowd crush was real. Jesus had healed so many people. He spoke the word of God with authority unlike anybody else. And there's this huge following who want to get a glimpse of Jesus, maybe even have him heal them. They wanted to hang on his every word. And when we talk about Jesus feeding 5,000 people, this is the story we're in, that's just 5,000 men. We're not even counting all the women, all the children. This group is probably more like 15,000 people. And they've been with Jesus all day long. The sun is going down. It is supper time. They are hungry. Jesus recognizes that. And he looks at Philip and he asks him this. He says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He puts Philip in an impossible situation. Just imagine the look on Philip's face when Jesus said, we. That means it's not just Jesus figuring it out, it's Philip too. And you can almost feel the anxiety of the moment as Philip responds to this. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And at that moment, Philip was thinking, why me, why here, why now? And right in between Jesus' question and Philip's answer, there's this little verse. This little verse that's caused me a lot of wrestling this past week and in my life. And maybe the concept of this verse has caused you a great struggle too. When John tells us this, that Jesus asked this only to test Philip. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. In other words, Jesus put Philip into an impossible situation to test him. 
he purposefully puts Philip into panic mode. Really? He's starting to feel that tension. Why would God put him through that? If he already knew that he was going to come through in this way, why would he have Philip go through this panic, this stress, this anxiety? How can testing really be loving? Why do we bristle at that idea? I think it comes down to a three-tiered approach by S to the third, if you remember S cubed from last week, Satan, sin, and self. They have this three-tiered method to guide us in a way to confuse us, to see testing as not a blessing, but as a curse. And so he tries to set you up to think according to three different presuppositions. Number one, that testing equals hurt. And what you'll notice, each of these presuppositions, they connect with each of the questions we've talked about. Why me? Why here? Why now? So number one, he wants you to see testing as nothing but hurt. Now this applies to that why me question. God, if you really loved me like you say you do, you wouldn't put it, you wouldn't be putting me through this. All right? That's number 1. It's just to hurt me, it's not to help me. Number 2. That testing equals purposelessness. Now this applies to the why here thought, right? The nearness of relevancy that says, "Okay, Jesus, why in this location are you doing this to me? I can't see a reason for it." That means there must not be one if I can't see it. And number three, what does Satan want you to do when you think of testing? He wants you to think of it as pushing away. Not to see it as a time and a place where Jesus is trying to draw you closer to him. Instead, he wants you to think much like Philip did. That same tone of voice, that same panic. God This is the time for you to carry me through this. And now you're putting me between a rock and a hard place? Why now, God, when I have all these other things going on in my life, why now do I need to go through this? We so struggle in our sin to see how God testing us and God loving us can not only coexist, but that his testing, his refining of our faith is actually an extension of his love for us. And it shows us an insight into something our sinful nature struggles with, especially in our culture. Throughout most of human history, different cultures have seen this refining process, this building up of character, this testing as beneficial. And we're not just talking about the refinery of faith that God puts us through. He tries to remove all those impurities that block our view of the good news of Jesus, that block our view of Jesus as our leader through life. We're just talking about culturally. If you look throughout history, there have been different initiation rituals, different ceremonies, different tests that were not there to harm the participant. But through that testing, through that trial, through that challenge, that ritual... It actually brought that person into their community. It brought this closer connection to show them that they're part of something bigger than themselves. But our culture has completely reversed that idea. It's not about the community. It's not about the family. It's about the individual. And so many in our culture would say that testing can never be loving. Why? Because anytime pain is involved, we should avoid it. Why do we have an opioid crisis? Why do we have people spending so much time on social media? Why do we have so many people trying to escape life? Why so many people are alone? Because there's this false idea floating everywhere that if you can avoid pain, that's the best life you can have. We want life to 
be attached to our concept of meaning instead of letting God be the one to dictate meaning for us. When a situation happens that we can't find a silver lining to, we instantly judge it as pointless. When God's plan for us doesn't line up with what makes us feel happy, what makes us feel in control, we lash out much like Philip did. We tend to think, okay, God, you're telling me it's on me to get through this. This is how we feel, right? It feels like God is just leaving us out to dry. It's on us to get through it. Or like Philip, we ask God to get us out of issues by doing what we tell him to do, right? What did Philip say to Jesus in John 14? You know, Jesus, if you just show us the Father, that will be enough. In other words, we search for God and we try to find him in life's trying moments and we want to say to him like Philip did, again, sinful nature speaking, if you could just show me, fill in the blank, I'll have no doubts that you're God. If you approach me according to my terms, God, then I know you're there. How will God respond to such an expression? Well, look at how Jesus responds to Philip. This is Jesus showing us what love is. First of all, he doesn't judge Philip in either of these examples. He doesn't reprimand him, though he's very direct and clear. He simply speaks to him. Now imagine Philip here, Jesus, after he puts him in this impossible situation of trying to figure out food for everybody, He has the people sit down, these 15,000 plus people, and what happened next changed Philip's life. All of a sudden, Jesus takes some fish, some bread, a boy had for lunch, and he starts passing it out. To the point that not only were everyone, everyone was filled, everyone was satisfied, they had leftovers, and Philip must have been standing there thinking thinking to himself, why didn't I see it before? And maybe Philip even started to think, maybe Jesus put me in that impossible situation just to show me that he alone can get me out of it and that he alone is what life is truly all about. Well, just like with Philip, Jesus knows in advance what he's going to do in your life. And it may sound crazy to say, but oftentimes God puts you in impossible situations precisely because they're impossible. This past week, One of the stations that we get to go through at Camp South, we kind of rotate throughout the days of the week. One of them is a fishing station. And I got to show a camper how to fish. He had never fished in his life. It was really neat to see the joy when he caught his first fish. But as we were sitting there on the dock, he said to me, or he asked me, "Why, why doesn't my dad spend time with me? Revealing to me this impossible situation he found himself is found himself in, a boy crying out for his father to love him. And I, I didn't know what to say. Which might sound crazy because I'm a pastor, but I didn't. I I prayed in my mind, Lord, please give me a verse, give me something I could say to give peace to this child, the peace only you can give. And after a while, the boy, as he continued fishing, he said, At least I know Jesus loves me. I almost burst in tears. I took every strength, every bit of strength I had to keep it together. But that's it. I really think it is. See, God meets us in our quest to know him personally and fully and joyfully. You you can look around at the beauty of creation. You can feel the weight of a moral soul or conscience. That only takes us so far. It tells us something about God, but it doesn't give us a connection to him. But when he speaks to us in his word, as this boy knew, That sometimes when God clears all the troubles away, when we can see clearly that he loves us, 
that impossible situation doesn't seem so rough anymore. Look at how Jesus responds to the seeking heart of Philip. They're there, Holy Thursday, Monday, Thursday, where Philip again wanted to see Jesus his own way. And Jesus says to him, The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who does his work. Right? He was doing his work. That boy seeking for a father to love him. He knew that Jesus loves him because he knows that Jesus loves him. He knows that his Heavenly Father loves him more than anyone else in the whole world. See, Jesus gives us his word just like he did with Philip. He didn't do what Philip asked him to do. He did something way better. And just like Philip didn't see the feeding of the 5,000 coming, he also didn't see Jesus' words the answer right away. And yet God's answer, it rings true. There is an order to everything. And it's not a theory, it's a reality. Jesus stands in control. And sometimes he puts you through impossible situations where it feels like you have nothing left but Jesus. And that is the best place to be. That is faith at its purest. When all the trials and tribulations that Satan wants to drive us away from God actually bring us even closer to him, we see what life is truly all about, and that's Jesus. Twice in John 14, what does he say? He says, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. It almost sounds like a magic formula. If you pray for whatever, and you say, in Jesus' name, then bam, it should happen. When Jesus says this, he's talking about something way better and way deeper. When we pray in Jesus' name, when we live in Jesus' name, we are saying, the world doesn't revolve around me, but it revolves around him. It means whenever I ask for something in Jesus' name, it means I'm placing everything in the hands of my God who holds everything at all times and places. In other words, when you ask for something in Jesus' name, you're really praying for something deeper than your wants, deeper than your needs, deeper than your desires. What you're saying is, Jesus, I, I want what you want because you found me. Just give me what you need to give me. I want what you have in mind for me. I hope you're starting to see the love behind Jesus putting you through testing. It's so he can clear all the things away that get in the way of us wanting what Jesus wants. To live in his name. To talk in his name. To think in his name. And so Jesus puts us through testing like with Philip. Knowing he has a fantastic outcome in mind. But he does so. when We need to remember it's not on us to be the problem solvers for ourselves. It's not on us to create meaning for ourselves. In other words, he puts us in impossible situations precisely because they're impossible so we can see him more clearly than ever before. To see that life is not on us. The struggle is not on us. It's all him. So instead of why me, why here, why now, it's Jesus is with me. He's here. He's got this. And when we recognize that, we recognize and realize that he has it all figured out, that he has left us with his amazing word, we stop trying to figure out God, and we start looking at life with contentment, no matter what we go through. And we see testing as treasure because we remember that God doesn't put his people through needless pain. None of your pain is ever wasted. It's Christ completing his work in you. If you're in an impossible situation right now, where you feel like no matter how hard you try, you are stuck there and there's no way out, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to say it. Whether it's in your head or you say it out loud, by faith you can say, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you for this. And you know why you can say that? Because you know if he's put you in an impossible situation, he's going to do something amazing to get you out of it. If that amazing thing is bringing you to heaven one day, is there anything better than that? You know, for the longest time, when I thought of 1 Corinthians 13.10, where Paul talks about how one day we'll see fully. that Right now we see in part, but one day we'll see fully. I always thought that meant we'd see the big picture. We'd see the tapestry of our life laid before us, and we'd see why God put us through this and that and this and that. But as I was singing what God ordains is always good, one of my favorite hymns, there's a line at the end of one of the verses. I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. But it brings me to tears almost every time. Reflecting off the words of 1 Corinthians 13, the line goes like this, One day I shall see clearly that he has loved me dearly. Now God may show us the entirety of our lives and why certain things happen, but in the end, what we're going to see the most clearly is his love. And it made me think of in Revelation and in Isaiah where it talks about God wiping the tears from our eyes in heaven. And I, I thought to myself, wait a minute, how would there be tears if there's no more sadness, no more grief, no more pain? But then it dawned on me, maybe, maybe these are tears of joy. That Jesus wants to wipe away, not because he doesn't want us to feel that, but he doesn't want us to miss out on experiencing God's love to the full. Not let anything block our vision of that most glorious sight to see him face to face. It makes me think of the Footprints poem. Our family has it on one of the walls in our home. You know, the part of the poem where he feels like or she feels like they're all alone, right? The moments in life that were the most trying and difficult, there's one set of footprints and of course, Jesus was carrying them. And he carries you too. He does. And what he says to you each and every day is the same thing he said 2,000 years ago to that crowd in John chapter 6. He says, all those the Father gives me, all the ones that God finds, and that's you and me, all, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. God doesn't put you in impossible situations to drive, him away, drive you away from him. He, he puts you there so you can see him clear as day until that most glorious day when you do get to see him and he wipes away those tears of joy because you'll be found in the greatest of ways you'll be home testing is treasure for the christian because we know that god will make a way he's done it before he's doing it now and he'll never stop doing it until that day where the way ends with jesus standing at heaven's door waiting for you amen I so appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you ever need somebody to talk to, even if it's through an email, even if it's through a text, please, I would love to talk with you and pray with you and, and share with you this peace that only Jesus can give, that he puts us in impossible situations not to hurt us, but that we see him even more clearly than before. God's blessings, you live for him, knowing that your God is with you and he is for you. Talk again next week.